today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to focus on an, another very important issue that has come to light, uh, like so many other things during the pandemic, and that is uh, mental health issues. And, and we know uh, that there are some serious concerns about that. We're uh, two years into the pandemic right now, uh, and Canadians' mental health looks like it's frozen in time. This is according to a recent report by the Canadian Association of Mental Health. Uh, that says that it was basically at the same level it was back in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. Dr. Samantha Wells, who is the senior director of the Institute for Mental Health Policy Research, uh, talked about this, and she says this uh, new peak in COVID anxiety is mimicking what she called the beginning of the pandemic all over again. We certainly did see a spike in um, anxiety. And so, in fact, the numbers mirror what we saw in the earliest days of the pandemic back in you know, when we started measuring uh, mental health of Canadians in May of 2020, the numbers are actually, you know, pretty close to where we were back then when we were all in shock. But again, these numbers are not without controversy because there seems to be some, well, conflicting stories, I guess, about some of the data, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, to to the mental health of our youth. Uh, we'll bring back our, our uh, guest, uh, Dr. Tyler Black, uh, to talk about this. Uh, we've had Dr. Black on the show a number of times to try to address some of the concerns here. Uh, Dr. Black is a suicidologist and psychiatrist at the University of British Columbia who has uh, been studying not only uh, the data and the concerns, uh, but some of the data being released by uh, some of his colleagues and uh, some concern and some controversy about that too. Uh, Dr. Pleasure to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for the oh, time thank, today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's because this is this is important to us. We want to make sure that we get the story straight because there's there's a concern here. Uh, we don't want to fly off the handle and start overreacting, but at the same time, I think we need to be cognizant of what's going on right now. And and I'm just looking at some of the uh, the tweets, uh, the, the the stream of tweets, of course, over the last couple of days, uh, having to do with some of the data that's been uh, released right now by some of your mm -hmm. colleagues uh, that talk about uh, spikes of uh, of uh, suicides among youth. It's the highest they've ever seen, etc. Uh, it's alarming. I mean, to read this stuff, I mean, it, it sends shockwaves, of course, to parents and, and educators and everybody who's concerned about our youth. Uh, what's your thought on, first of all, the data and the results and, and the, the conclusions they draw from it? Sure. I mean, and thanks for having me to talk about this. Um, you know, it's so important when we're talking about potential impacts of the pandemic or what we're going to do about it for us to start with um, data that actually tells us what's going on. Uh, so, so there's been a few things going around that I've been watching some public advocacy documents uh, circulating, and they're making pretty big claims that that aren't true in Canada, aren't even true in the United States, where some of this is originating from. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, there's a claim about youth suicides increasing. Um, neither true in the United States uh, nor true in Canada. In fact, in Canada, the pediatric suicide rate decreased. Um, and, uh, and and if we look at the the 15 to 19 year old group, for example, um, you know uh, it, it's about 20% uh, uh, lower than it was in 2020. Uh, sorry, in 2019, in 2020, um, both for 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 boys and girls. Um, so, so you know when people are using their you know arguments for certain things, whether it's we need to open up back schools or whatever it is. Um, they're unfortunately sneaking in a lot of fear-mongering misinformation. And, and so I've been watching this and it's been, it's been quite distressing. Uh, Statistics Canada has released um, uh, suicide data for every age group and girls and boys, uh, men and women. They, they don't get much more specific than that. There isn't a lot for me to dr drill down on outside of that. Um, but I can say very globally, every age group has seen a decrease 
Um, and uh, um, that's both true in men and women. Well, there's there's one line in one of the uh, the submissions here that I, I found alarming anyway, uh, under the, the guidance of child, uh, children COVID in schools, and specifically, because mm-hmm. I know you've talked about that in the past and tweeted about this. Uh, it says protecting the mental, social, and emotional health of students is paramount. I think we all agree to that. Uh, children are experiencing unprecedented levels of anxiety, depression, and other mental health impacts. Well, you've you've already suggested that there's data that doesn't necessarily support that. But this is the line that caught me, though, doctor. It says children deaths from suicide vastly outnumber deaths from COVID and are increasing. Uh, I That's the first time I've seen a statistic of that nature. Now, there's no numbers to back this up. How did you respond when you saw that? Yeah, so I, I actually called them out pretty publicly. And to their credit, they have now edited their document to remove that. I wanted to say really quickly, anyone who's going to compare children dying of X to children dying of Y and say, therefore, children dying of Y is not important or should be minimized, that's absolutely ghoulish, reprehensible behavior that no one should ever do. Um, the person who wrote this document is a virologist, um, and they were supported by a number of anti-lockdown uh, professionals who have been beating the same drum about ending lockdowns for for more than a for more than a year. And um, and it was really unfortunate to see that statistic. I'll I'll, I'll really briefly try to explain this. If you could, there were yeah. zero there were zero deaths due to COVID in 2019 because COVID wasn't a thing in 2019. Mm-hmm. So any deaths in 2020 due to COVID are due to COVID. Like that's the thing that's been added. The the rate of suicide in kids changes every year. We can't use 2019's number as some kind of baseline and then say 2020 changed, therefore it's all due to the pandemic because every single year the number goes up and down. And, the, and for example, in the United States, the, the difference between 2019 and 2020 um, was about 17 suicides in the pediatric group. And it was a slight increase, but not even close to statistically significant. And pretty much every other year has ha- has seen bigger changes than that. So basically no difference. The number of deaths due to COVID in the same age group in 2020 was 179. So not only was it wrong, it's making a horrible point. I would never use the number of deaths of COVID as a way to say, therefore, we shouldn't care about suicide. We can't, we can't, turn that around. It's reprehensible and ghoulish. It's ableist. People with rare disorders or people with small problems or people with non-particularly high population problems, um, they always get excluded whenever whenever everyone focuses on what the majority of people are doing. The reality is kids dying is bad. Kids are not supposed to die. And any additional death is a problem. When the suicide numbers show that decreases in deaths came down and increase and 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 all of the things of 2020 occurred, it is not only scientifically inappropriate, it is morally appropriate to lie about the numbers and then say, this is why schools should be open. It's ghoulish and reprehensible. <sighs> And I mean, it also underscores what we've talked about many times. I mean, you, you can twist any kind of statistics around to suit your purpose, uh, yeah. you know, by, you know, half truths or this, take this stat and ignore this one, et cetera, et cetera. And we see that happen in just about every facet of, of, of you know, policymaking and everything else. And I suppose it shouldn't surprise us 
uh, that it's happening here. But what would the motivation mm -hmm. be, though? I mean, these these are professionals. Uh, these are people that yeah. I'm sure are concerned about this as well. But to make statements like this that don't really have any any foundation in fact, and there's no substantive evidence to, to, to verify these things, I, I, why even put it out there? Well, I can say, you know, there's a document that just got pretty viral called the Advocacy Toolkit. It was written by a virologist who actually contacted me after I criticized their document. Um, and from my point of view, um, he's concerned about the impact of COVID on his kids. And he's a scientist um, in, in private um, practice who um, who really just wanted to put something out there with the best data he could. He was quite humbled by my criticisms uh, and found them compelling, uh, such that he called me and talked to me about it. And so I, I, I always, sometimes I think, why would you lie? And then I wonder, did they know they were lying? Or, or you know, I, I think it's hard to figure out what someone's motivations is. I will say, many of the names that are extremely popular that are always talking about how COVID's, COVID um, measures are harming kids, they have been talking about ending lockdowns in June 2020, in September 2020, in January 21, in July 2020, you know, 21, there are videos of some of these popular people like celebrating the end of COVID. They have been relentlessly and wrongly optimistic about what the virus will do and extremely wrong about non-pharmaceutical measures to contain COVID. I see really lazy comparisons when people say things like less kids died of COVID than the flu in any given year. During the year of COVID, all of the things that we did led to six deaths in the United States due to, to the flu. So all of our masking and distancing and behaviors led to a severe reduction of flu and still hundreds of kids are dying of COVID. So of course, COVID is much more deadly than the flu because flu got obliterated by all of our measures and we didn't even have a new vaccine for the flu. But COVID is a serious illness that is causing the death and illness and potential long-term harms to many, many, many children. And and I just don't understand this idea that only a few hundred kids dying isn't that big a deal. When honestly, if we were to compare cancer rates between 70 year olds and, and people under 18, I think it's like 0.4% of all cancer deaths are in kids. But we would never say that pediatric cancer isn't important or we shouldn't do everything we can to prevent pediatric cancer. So some of these arguments, when you really think about them, you realize how inhumane they are. And it makes you really wonder, what's the bias behind it? Why would they believe this so loudly? Why would you be on TV in June of 2020 saying COVID is over? And then on TV in September of 2020, and each su subsequent month saying, we should end lockdown, COVID is over. We should end lockdown, COVID is over. This is, this is indication of a bias of some sort. It's indication of not actually following the data. It's not following public health or precautionary principles. These are loud, wrong people who have a long history of being loud and wrong. Is, is this simply a, a, a situation where people have uh, decided to embrace a certain philosophy or policy and then look for data to try to substantiate Absolutely. it as opposed to, as opposed to studying data and then determining the policy yeah. from the results of that? One of the reasons that I don't, I try not to make predictions is because I, I let the data follow me. Uh, so many times when I talk about suicide rates, people will ask me, what do you think will happen in 2021? And I have to give a very honest answer. I have no idea. I, I have hunches, I have guesses, but the numbers will come out and they will tell me what happened. 
Um, and I have ways of getting those numbers earlier, so I try to get them as soon as I can. What I see so much and in these documents, and even the Canadian Pediatric Society, they start with a thesis that school closures harm kids, and then they selectively cite data. They'll pull out a study that says, you know, the title is mostly worse and some better, uh, the impact of the pandemic on kids. And, and it's a survey of parents and, and, it, and, asked, and, and some kids and asked them, how are you doing? And some said they were doing better and some said they were doing worse. And most of them said they were doing about the same. And then their conclusion from that, their sentence that describes it is schools cause, online schooling causes mental health harms. That's just not how you're supposed to do it. When, when we look at data, we're supposed to say, what does it tell us? Well, it tells us there's a group of kids smaller than the group of kids that were harmed by survey that say that they're doing better. And the majority of kids, the like significant majority of kids on all of the things that were being asked said that they were doing about the same or better. And so if your claim is they're worse, the counterfactual isn't how many are better. The counterfactual is how many are worse or are, are better or the same. So it's like how many are worse and how many are not worse. And the number that are not worse outnumbers the number that are worse. So you can't summarize that by saying, you know, things got worse for most kids. It's, it's unfair description of the data. It's not what you're supposed to do. And it is this idea that you have pediatricians and, and other groups, large national groups, and they're, they're making a claim and then they're going through the data and they're finding some scary number and they're plucking it out and then they're putting it on their website or their statement. And that's not how scientists are supposed to do anything. That's not why public health, that's not why the public trusts pediatricians organizations or trusts scientific organizations. They trust us because we're supposed to take all of the data and present it to them fairly. And when, when, when groups who really want to bang some egg of advocacy drug, uh, drum, when they don't do that, they harm the public reputation of scientists and public reputation of doctors. And it's really important that pediatrician groups don't say things like online schools cause harm because that's the same mouth and breath that says convincingly that vaccines save lives. Isn't there an the opportunity here, though, doctor, and maybe a responsibility by the people that are doing the research uh, to drill down to the bottom before they start, as you say, establishing a baseline? I mean, if you ask a group of kids, you know, are you are you frustrated, uh, you know, by online learning? You're going to get a percentage of them say yes. But a, a follow-up question, were you frustrated within the classroom? Uh, some of them are going to say, yeah. It's, so yeah in other words, nothing's changed. But they don't ask that second question. It's it's there's so many studies, you know, one of the, one of the big men analyses that everybody's citing has 26 studies looking at in the first four months of the pandemic, how many kids had anxiety symptoms or depression symptoms and and 21 of the 26 were deemed low quality studies. And they're, they're simply things like, did you feel worse on a cross sectional survey without any specific details? And, and it's very hard to get anything out of that. But you're so right, because, for example, if I were to survey people after funerals about how they feel about their mental health, I would undeniably find increased measures of depressive and anxiety symptoms. And then if I was acting like these pediatrician groups or these advocacy groups acted, I would say, well, funerals are so harmful to people because anxiety is skyrocketing during funerals. 
of course, the reason people's distress is higher during funerals is not because of the funeral itself. It's because someone they cared about died. And, and so if we're if we're surveying people during a stressful pandemic and we're finding distress measures increased, it's important for us as researchers to very carefully explain that distress measures or symptoms are not disorders. I can't exactly. tell you how many times I'll see a report that says anxiety symptoms increased and the media report, or even the researcher doing a press release, which is weird. Um, the press release about it saying anxiety is increasing and they know that in our heads we're substituting anxiety symptoms for anxiety disorders. And these are very different leave, things. Doctor, we're going to leave it there. We're just about out of time here. Okay. I'm very wordy. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. Listen, it's very important. And I'm glad you had the time to talk to us about this. Uh, we, we're following the debate, the discussion, of course. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again about this down the road as we get more data, uh, legitimate data on this. But I do appreciate your time today, doctor. Thank you. You bet. Thanks so much for having me. You betcha. Dr. Tyler Black, of course, uh, for University of British Columbia. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.